the usually this would be Youth Rally Weekend, and we would have a full crowd of, of kids from all over this region that participate in the Youth Rally that would be here. And this morning, we, we have our, our normal crowd of, of young people, but we don't have, you know, 80 or, or so or 60 more kids from, from out, of, out of town. But what we were able to do this year is we decided, okay, since it's going to be difficult to host something for a weekend uh, during, this, during this time, we're going to just do a one-day youth rally. And I want to show you some of the pictures uh, from yesterday. We met from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. at the Curry Ranch. Uh, Bob and uh, Curry said, oh, yeah, absolutely, bring the kids out here. We stayed outside all day, and we just tried to, uh, uh, we, we got into God's Word, and we, we did things to, to just be active. And it was, it was amazing uh, the number of messages I received here the last uh, few hours from people. They're on my phone, though, so I can't share them with you. I'll share them with you another time. But messages from people saying, thank you so much for hosting this because Yellowstone Bible Camp was canceled this summer. There's other events that have been canceled this summer. The kids didn't have spiritual opportunities like they, they have before. And now that uh, we're just so thankful that, that the Belgrade Church hosted this. And we had a, a great crew of people um, that, that just jumped in and, and served in whatever way they, they could. And it was a phenomenal day yesterday. And, uh, and so I want to, because usually more of the church gets to participate in, in that event because some of it's on Sunday morning. I wanted to show you some pictures here uh, so you can just see some of what happened here the last few days. There's a, this is uh, one of the lessons. This, this, this was our auditorium. Wherever we found shade and whenever we found a hill, that's where we just had some of the lessons there. There is a, here's a, uh, some of the volleyball that was happening. This volleyball there, right? And you can see kickball way back there in the background. And so the some of the favorite games of Yellowstone Bible Camp, uh, kids got to participate in, in those uh, that, that they wouldn't have throughout the summer, at least not with the same crew. This is another one of the places that we, we had lesson. Kids would and adults would pack their chairs up the hillside about a quarter mile up there and just, just sit, and we had uh, one of the lessons right there. Here is the uh, same lesson from, from another angle there. And we had, I didn't tell you this, we had about 30 kids pre-register and sign up. And as the dust settled, by the end of the day, uh, kids uh, showing up, uh, we had about 60 kids right in that number. How much? 42 kids, 60 total, okay. So we had, we had a good crew that showed up uh, considering our circumstances for sure. It was, uh, it was a great spirit. Here's another one of the other places that we just uh, we met and shared the message of God. Isn't that cute? Matt and Melissa. On three, let's all say, ah, one, two, three. Aww. Oh, yeah, isn't that cute? There they are, Matt and Melissa helping out. Uh, there's a, now, these girls are smart here. It got hot during lunchtime, and there wasn't a lot of shade right around there. Some of the shade was taken up. And so look what these girls did. They dropped a tailgate in one of the trucks and just crawled under the truck. That's, that's wisdom there. We're going to talk about wisdom here. That's wisdom. That's, that's knowing what's up there. Here is uh, uh, Jenna Herzog. Who is, Jenna, go ahead and raise your hand. Yeah, Jenna's a college student that's uh, part of the church here. She has won the belly flop contest for the last three years in a row. I mean, man... Yeah, and so there was co-winners this year, Landon Bachmeyer and Jenna, both won. 
But Jenna, because it was her third year winning, this is her, her three-peat trophy right there. Now, goose feet tied to a necklace there. Isn't that, isn't that beautiful? Isn't that wonderful? Classy, yeah, all that, right? And uh, there are big fish in small ponds, apparently. Uh, there was a, some, some ponds that were there, and we pulled up and said, kids, if you don't want a belly flop, you can catch fish. There's some little fish in here. A rumor of this fish named Scarface that was apparently this is Scarface, Scarface, and one of the kids caught him and, and drug him out, and they took pictures and put him back in there. So Scarface still lives to to eat eat more as we go along. But it's just a great great time together. Uh, like we've talked about before, there's it's so important to have those special occasions times where we really reconnect with God and his people. The Feast of Tabernacles in the Old Testament, that week-long camping trip that people would come out of their house and just enjoy the fellowship of other people, like Bible camp. And since so many things were canceled this summer, we were able to do And I really think that the, the, some of the spiritual benefits from it can, can be really good. And so thankful for the opportunities that, uh, that the church here provided uh, that all of us could be a part of. All right, we're going to go back into Proverbs. We talked about the first chapters of Proverbs last week and, and wisdom. And this is a time, as I shared last week, that and all of us need wisdom. <laughs> there is, there's, there's times where, uh, where wisdom seems more important than others, and, and now is definitely one of those times. I shared that, and I'm going to read a little bit from Hebrews here, Hebrews chapter 5, uh, starting in verse 11. It says, we have much more to say about this, but it's hard to make clear to you because you're no longer trying to understand. And we can do that spiritually. As we get to where we're just stagnant and we just keep doing the same things over and over again and we get comfortable and, and we don't stretch to, to try to grow and, and become more what God wants us to be. In fact, though, by this time you have to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. So in other words... You, and I was hoping that you'd be, be spiritually mature and ready to go at this point in time, and it's just not happening. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with teachings about righteousness. And it goes through what milk is down below, is some of the basics of, of, of talking about baptism, talking about faith in God, laying out of hands, resurrection of the dead, these things that we shouldn't have to explain over and over again or talk about over and over again. But maturity is... People who are acquainted with teachings about righteousness. Solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. And those are the things, that's the, the Bible's definition of spiritual maturity is those when we get to a point where we're able to discern good from evil in the situations where we don't have a clear thus saith the Lord. That our life produces good fruit that, that surrounds us it, and, and we're not continually back on the same subjects over and over again. And so we're going to go into some of what the Proverbs have to say about learning to walk on wisdom's rock-solid foundation. Okay, and I'm going to have these, these scriptures up here because the Proverbs are, through the, the middle section of the Proverbs, they're not in any particular order. They're just little nuggets of wisdom or pearls of wisdom that are shared there throughout, uh, throughout the book. So the rock-solid foundation starts with understanding or embracing, is a better way to say it, the wisdom of God. This is what the Proverbs has to say about the wisdom of God or his providence. And we'll talk about what that means here in just a second. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. 
The Lord works out everything to its proper end, even the wicked for a day of disaster. And in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Okay, there's a phenomenal amount of wisdom here. But what we can gather from this is that God has a way of working in our world to, for good to end, for his will to come to the surface. Okay, so there is some debate. If you go back in church history, and I'm not going to get much into it here, but I'll just I'll, I'll throw it out here, and we can, if you have questions, we can talk about it more another time. But there's, there's spectrums. There's a great spectrum of, on one side, God is, has started the world up. He created it, and he's just let it go, and he doesn't really deal with us as humans except to just kind of look at us for his own enjoyment at this point in time. And then on the other side is there's, there's a, an extreme that says God chooses down to where our foot hits the pavement at any given time, and he controls absolutely everything that happens. And humans really don't have free will because God is controlling everything up there. Okay? Now, there's a middle ground is where Scripture is, I believe. Maybe a better way to think about it is, and this was explained to me, and this is really helpful for me to, to consider this, is we as humans live in time, don't we? we? We live inside of it. In that yesterday, we can't go back to it, can we? Unless somebody's got a time travel machine. If you do, let's talk, okay? All right? Or we can't speed up into tomorrow, can we? We've just got to wait for it to come. And so here we are, living in time and caught in time, but God works differently because God who created the world is also the God who created time. And so God can sit outside of time. And have you ever looked at a timeline or a genealogy? You ever go to school? Yeah, you see the timeline there. Like if you look at a timeline from the history of our country, 1776, the Declaration of Independence, and there's all sorts of things. Well, just imagine God is one that sits on the side of the time here and says, all right, I see what's happening here. I see what mankind is doing, so I know what's going to happen here in the end. And because good is going to prevail, because that is my nature, what I will do is I will break into the world at different times in various ways daily in order for people that I've created to see the love that I have for them and for good things to happen. And so you think about that. Is that's, for us as people, are there any way that we're going to outsmart or beat God or, or, or do an end around and, and try, to, try to outsmart him? Is that going to happen? Let's look at these next verses here. It says, There is no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. The horse is made ready for the joy, for the day of battle, but victory rests with the Lord. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Or to humans belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. So here's some more Proverbs that give us some insights into the reality is that God's wisdom is and his providence is bigger than anything that we can handle ourselves. We cannot smart it. We cannot run it. And so we've got a choice. If we cannot beat God, then we've got to decide, are we going to join him? And Jesus tells a parable in Luke 14, if you remember. It's part of, of three different parables that he tells together. And at the end of Luke 14, he says, all right, just imagine this. There is... A king that goes out to battle and he has 10,000 soldiers with him. And he goes against a king that has 20,000. 
So if you're the king that's 20, that has 10,000, what are you going to do? Are you going to say, no big deal, I'm going to run right into that battle, that's just fine. No, we say, boy, I better send for terms of peace. I better figure out how not to get in this battle because there's no way that I can win it. And that's Jesus' parable there, is that we are in a spot in life that unless we realize and until we realize that God's wisdom and providence is bigger than anything that we can, we can figure out or that we can uh, overcome, until we get to that point and saying, all right, God, you are God, and I'm going to submit to you and what you, what you are all about. And so the rock-solid foundation is part of that is learning to trust in God. And, and that is, I know, is speaking that in a, in a church community, saying, hey, we need to trust in God. Our, tension is, our, our natural response is to say, oh, yeah, that's fine. I know that. I learned that in Sunday school. I've known that all my life, maybe, that I've got to trust in God. But learning to do that is something very different, isn't it, than just saying, oh, yeah, I trust in God and yeah, whatever. We'll, we'll just go with it. How many of you remember what this scene is from? Which movie? Raiders of the Lost Ark, close. Almost. Yeah, this is the search. Yeah, exactly, the last crusade. That's right. Yeah, it was Indiana Jones. You're right there, Mark. And so, Indiana Jones, how many of you, okay, honest, okay, you can't lie in church building on Sunday morning, right? That's how it works. How many of you had Indiana Jones as your hero at some point in time? Oh, yeah, there it is. He is amazing, right? And so... He is trying to find the Holy Grail. The, the legend is the, the Grail or the cup that Jesus drank from at the last. And so, just a, just a legend. Scripture didn't say anything about that. I don't think God cares about that sort of stuff. But here is Indiana Jones as he is going to, he has to cross this big chasm. And it looks like it goes on forever there. And what he is told to do in order to get to the other side so that he could find this Holy Grail is he had to step out over something that looked like it just went down into a great abyss. And if you remember the story or you remember the movie, he steps out and he finds firm footing, even though it doesn't look like it. And the camera moves to the side, and you can see that there's a bridge that is designed there that is invisible when you're standing right above it. But he steps out, and he finds firm footing. And really, that's true for us as well, is that when we learn to step out and learn to trust God, then what we find is is firm footing, a footing that we wouldn't have, have anticipated was there. Look at these Proverbs here talking about learning to trust God. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. Think about that. There's a way that you and me can look for in life and say, this is the right way to go, and not understand that it's leading us straight into destruction. Or here's another one. A person's own folly leads to their ruin, yet their heart rages against the Lord. How oftentimes have you and I seen this? Is somebody makes a decision, or you and I make a decision, that causes heartache and destruction in our own life, and so, as a response, we get angry at God for it, right? God, this is your fault, and we rage against God in that. Can you relate to that? You know what I'm talking about here? Have you ever seen that? Have you ever experienced it yourself? Yeah. It's our own fault. 
We've got to blame somebody, so let's blame God for it, all right? Do you see a person wise in their own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for them. Okay, again, in Proverbs, the term fool is used for someone who just pursues dishonesty and pursues doing things that are destructive for their own, their own soul. And so, if you see a person that is wise in their own eyes, that is smart, that's got everything figured out, there's more hope for a fool than for them. There's a huge message in these Proverbs right here that tell us that we are people that are readily influenced by the people around us, by the media maybe, by our own personal baggage, fill in the blank, whatever it may be. There's a lot of ways that the world around us influences us to see things a certain way. In our world, it's, it's very common for people to talk in terms of morality is, is, is not absolute, but morality is whatever is right for you, whatever is right for them is totally different, and people have to pick their morality. And God is saying, no, that's not how it works. There's definitely differences of opinion. There's disputable matters. Scripture teaches that very clearly. But there is, there is a right and wrong that's, that's there in, in how God has established the world. And so we need help to understand the right and wrong decisions to make through life. If you and I try to go at this alone, we're going to fail, and we're going to fall flat on our face, and we're going to have heartache, because there's too much that's influenced us to, to miss what's most important in life. Hey, let's continue on here. Think about this in terms of trusting, learning to trust God. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Whoever gives heed to instruction prospers, and blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. Um, man, there's, a, there's some good stuff there. Here's one more. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. There's a, something we do, and there's no shortcut to this. I cannot hold your hand and, and, and make you do this. I have to do it for myself. You have to do it for yourself. But learning every day to say, I am going to trust in God today to know better than I do. And when I disagree with God, I'm going to submit to what he has to say. And I'm just going to say, well, God somehow, some way, must know what he's talking about. Something happened yesterday uh, at the youth rally that, that I thought about it a lot yesterday and it, it impacted me quite a bit. There was, during one of the lessons, a gentleman from Livingston came up to me and, and walked up and crouched down beside me as we're sitting in the grass. And I thought, that's kind of strange. You know, why is he coming to talk to me right when this lesson is happening? What a bad example for the kids, you know? And then, no, I didn't think that immediately. But he said, hey, there is um, a lady that is, is um, from Livingston. And I knew who she was as soon as he told me her name. That apparently she uh, just uh, backed over her son with her car. Can we pray for that? And I said, oh man. You know, I just felt my heart just burst right there. I said, absolutely. As soon as the lesson is over here, let's just pray for that. And... Um, and so the lesson was over. I got up. I said, hey, this is what happened. You know, kids are all excited. Kids are happy. And I hated to be the one to, to throw that out there. You know, I'm going to ruin the, the mood or, or whatever. But no, this is way more important that we pray for this right now. This is, this is important. And so the, the guy that told me the, the news, from he came down. He, he prayed. 
And you could tell that it was something that, that impacted. It shook the kids. As some of them had, knew who the, the person was. And uh, this guy from Livingston, a couple hours later, approached me again and said, Hey, I just got a call, and uh, looks like this, uh, this kid's going to be fine. I don't know how. He's all bruised up. He's all banged up. He's going to be sore for a while. He's going to be okay. And, um, and so when we talked to the kids, you know, we wanted to share that with the kids, and said, there's something here that may have happened. We can give credit to luck. We can give credit to all sorts of different things here. But do you see what happened is we prayed to God during a time that was very desperate. And let's just believe that God is powerful enough to heal and let's give God the credit for this. And that's great. And I hope something there, those moments in our lives, help us trust in God and realize that he's there and he's working. It doesn't come overnight. That type of faith that grows to trust in God doesn't come overnight. It doesn't, doesn't, uh, doesn't come and, and uh, as we, we just wake up and we come out of the, the waters of baptism as we become Christians and, hey, everything's great. It's not like that. It's a lifelong journey of faith that turns us into someone that trusts God, no matter how big the waves are, because we've seen God work before, and we know the promises that we have from Scripture. Great opportunity for the kids yesterday. Hopefully it's a story that impacts all of us as well. How many of you have had prayers that are answered at some point in time? Oh, man, if you've had it, if you've experienced it, never forget it and remember that God continues to, to provide that foundation. We can learn to trust him. Something else the Proverbs tells us. How many of you know who this is? Okay, yeah, you got to be a little older. Mr. T. And Mr. T was known for saying, I pity the fool. That's right. This big tough guy with, with gold chains and mohawk, he'd say, I pity the fool. And um, you know, Phil Young used to work out with Mr. T. They were workout buddies. And the, I'm just messing with Phil. <laughs> <laughs> I love to get Phil laughing. It's awesome. I love it. So Mr. T says, don't be a fool, right? And I grew up listening to that and thinking, okay, I don't want to be a fool. I don't know what that means, but I sure don't want to be that. But the Proverbs talk a lot about, don't be a fool. Don't be one of those that just goes off and does your own thing because all this destruction that happens. There is a, a section of Scripture in chapter 26 that goes through several verses about how not to be a fool. It starts off by saying, Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will yourself be just like him. Answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. Do you see what just happened here? So, if you don't answer, you'd be a, it's the wrong answer, wrong thing to do. And if you do answer, it's the wrong thing to do. Do you see these? Is this contradictory? Is this... One of these points in Scripture that somehow was overlooked by God and he didn't realize that he contradicted himself? It's not the situation. His point is here, is that when someone does not have a moral compass, there may be no good reasoning whatsoever. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you say. Whether you say something or you don't say something, it's going to be the wrong thing and you're going, it's, it's not going to go well. That's just how it is. And dealing with someone who is a fool as Mr. T would say, is impossible. There is a, a Bill Goldman, Tish's dad, one of the things that he's, a phrase that he's said that I appreciate. He said, 
Never roll around in the mud with a pig because you both get dirty and the pig likes it. Kind of, I, I think about that, okay? There's something there that provides some wisdom that we should, we should learn from. That's exactly what the Proverbs are saying here. And so there's times we're dealing with somebody, first of all, what we should first learn from this is, I don't want to be the person that no matter what anybody else does, it's always wrong. Because that's, that's not godly. It doesn't demonstrate any type of spiritual guidance or, or direction whatsoever. But sometimes we just can't do things that are, that, that are going to make someone happy. There's no way we can, we can accomplish whatever they want, because they don't know what they want. There's, there's foolishness that's happening here. Let's continue on. Sending a message by the hands of a fool is like cutting off one's feet and, or drinking poison. Okay, I've never cut off my feet and I've never willingly drank poison. Drinking at a stream sometimes felt like it. Um, but I remember in middle school when it was, when it was popular, and, and I really didn't get into this much, but I had friends that were like, hey, would you take this note to this girl to see if she will go out with me? I mean, they couldn't date, they couldn't go out or anything like that, but hey, take the note and, and, and give it to her. And it was really interesting that even in middle school, people chose their messengers very, very wisely. Because if you chose the wrong messenger, it was going to go very, very badly for you. <laughs> right? Now, we, we understand that. And this is the, mess, is the point here, is that don't send somebody, don't trust somebody who, who doesn't have a track record of really good, good fruit. It's going to be disastrous for you. Or, like the useless legs of one who is lame, someone who is crippled, is a proverb in the mouth of a fool, in that it doesn't work, it doesn't go. You see this statue up here, I love it. You know, no, don't do that, that's a bad idea. I remember one guy that I spent quite a bit of time with, and he was, uh, he, he, he actually he became a Christian, but I think he had a lot of, of baggage ultimately that, that destroyed his life because he, he would, I never felt like he was really honest with me. What I got from him was the stories about how everything is good, everything is wonderful, I'm in control of all sorts of stuff, and he would say things that appeared wise at times, but I kept thinking, man, that... That is not what's going on in this guy's head. That's not what's going on in this guy's heart. And it ended up coming out that he was uh, very much living a double life here. And, uh, when, and so when, whenever the things came out of his mouth, it just made me scratch my head a little bit because it wasn't how he was living. Okay? Scripture says don't do that. Don't be like that. Don't go down that road. Like tying a stone in a sling is giving honor to a fool. Tying, you know what he's talking about here? Tying a stone in a sling? The shepherds would use a sling like David, who killed Goliath, is a piece of leather about this big that had leather straps on the sides. And it was a motion where they would swing it, and it was basically like throwing a baseball, but it would give a lot more velocity in a sling. And I talked with someone years and years ago who was over in, the, in Israel and was, was traveling. And there was a shepherd boy that was out there that had this sling, and he was practicing with it. And this guy approached him and said, Hey, can you hit that tree over there? And the shepherd boy is like, yeah, what do you think I am? Put a sling in there, bam, and just left a dent in that tree with how much velocity he had behind it. And so I don't know if shepherds, just to play jokes on each other, would tie each other's slings up, but can you imagine what would happen if there's a rock in the sling and you try to throw it and it doesn't release? Right back. Have you ever tried to cast a fishing lure and not open the bale? 
Yeah, it comes right back on you. That's the type of thing he's talking about. And so, if you give honor to and praise somebody who cannot handle it, it's going to end badly, and it's going to come back and pop pop you in the nose, and it's not a good thing to do. Here's another one. Like a thorn bush in a drunkard's hand is a proverb in the mouth of a fool. Hey, just imagine these Russian olives. Now, those have big thorns on them we have around here. Someone taking a big branch off and going downtown, Bozeman on Main Street, 2 a.m., and some guy comes staggering out, and you say, here, have fun with this. It's not going to go well, is it? People are going to get hurt. There's going to be damage being done there. Here's another one. Like an archer who wounds at random is one who hires a fool or any passerby. I remember uh, when we had archery unit in PE in high school. Shoot wherever, not worry about the consequences. And here's maybe one of our favorites. As a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. You, I'm not sure I'm going to describe that one too much because I don't know where everybody's stomach's at. But let me share this one thing that I, and it's a story that I always remembered. That uh, my dad told the story uh, when he was at Oklahoma Christian in the 70s. Uh, they would, there was a gorilla that was down at the zoo in Oklahoma City that was, uh, there was a really popular attraction. This huge male gorilla, just this massive, massive beast of an animal. And what it would do is this gorilla would wait till a bunch of people got there and filled up the hallway to look through the glass at this gorilla. And this gorilla would lay on the ground, look like he was completely bored, and it would just blah, just throw up right there. And then he would take his hand like a big spatula and go, and eat it. And you'd see people, oh man, that's the grandest thing I've ever seen, you know, doubling over and just sick to their stomach at, at all of this. And that is exactly what the proverb writer here is trying to get, get us to understand, is that if we go back and make the same mistakes over and over and over again, what we're doing is, is so gross, the same thing that we see that dogs do. They go back and they eat their vomit, all that kind of stuff. So learn, do not make the same mistakes over and over and over again. And so the opposite of that, according to the Proverbs, is someone who is pursuing, actively pursuing, discernment, and understanding. Here's some Proverbs that speak about that. The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. The simple believe anything, but the prudent give thought to their steps. That is especially important right now in our world of social media. The simple believe anything, but the prudent give thought to their steps. There is so much information out there that we can, all of us can, can believe anything. It's hard to know what to believe sometimes. But folly brings joy to one who has no sense, but whoever has understanding keeps a straight course. Well, there it is. You look at this. Is, is this God telling us, be someone who pursues wisdom, like we talked about last week. Woman wisdom or, or the father that gives wisdom, pursue, listen to those people that are going to give wisdom. Look at this. Let's continue here. 
How much better to get wisdom than gold to get insight rather than silver? It's amazing in our world how important gold and silver, riches, all of that is as a status symbol. Uh, people will, uh, will do just about anything sometimes in order to have wealth or to have whatever, whatever they want. And it just, uh, it just, uh, it doesn't bring happiness. But just imagine what our world would look like if we said, we're going to really honor officially those people that show wisdom. We're not going to care about silver and gold. We're not going to worry about that stuff because it's nothing. It's just going to burn up or melt away anyway. But the people that we're really going to hold in high esteem are those that have wisdom, that show something good fruit comes out of their lives on a regular basis, who make the people around them better, raise everyone else up. Those are the people that we're going to really honor. And I think we do. I think we do honor those people. But maybe not officially, maybe not with, um, with political office or whatever else. But remember that. This is something very important from God, is people who are able to speak wisdom, are much more, it's much more valuable than, than uh, whatever we may gain in this life. Another one, the one who gets wisdom loves life, and the one who cherishes understanding will soon prosper. When we pursue wisdom, when we pursue God's will for our lives, the fruit that comes out of it is prosperity of all types. But we've got to start with pursuing God for, for, on his terms. The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but the one who has insight draws them out. So I was looking at these verses here, something that, that came to mind and I, I thought about a lot, is how wonderful it is to just take a long walk sometimes. Look at that last one. The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but the one who has insight draws them out. Have you ever that it's sometimes it's really hard to figure out within your own heart what your true motives are? And, uh, and if you're sitting there thinking, oh yeah, it's easy for me to figure out my true motives, I, I, that's, I've got that dialed, <laughs> then I would encourage you to go on a really long walk and think about it. Okay? Those times of quiet, those times of peace... What they do is realize, again, that we've got a choice in life to go a couple of different directions. We can choose to be, I'm going to be a fool, I'm going to do whatever I want at any given time, and that's what I'm going to pursue, and that is what is going to rule my life. Or I can be the one that says, you know, I need, I need a rock-solid foundation because I know that my judgment is skewed sometimes. I know that I don't always see things for what they really are. I know that I miss out on so much and I need this foundation in my life that helps me walk differently, that helps me walk in a way that I, I never could otherwise. And I need this wisdom. I need to pursue discernment and understanding because I do not want to be a fool. I want to be someone who produces good fruit and is a blessing to the people around. That's what I want. Okay. Sometimes I think all of us may have a tendency, or religious groups have a tendency, to say, all right, we are Christians. Therefore, when a person becomes a Christian, you're good. You're, you're a Christian. Um, now uh, live faithfully from here out. If we've been around any time at all, understand that becoming a Christian is the easy part. But the rest of our lives we will spend going deeper with God, understanding His heart, understanding His wisdom, because we're going to understand more and more as we go along that who we were before 
was so lacking, and what God has in store for us for the future is so much better. Now, the next couple of weeks, we'll get into some different proverbs that'll be more specific, and I'm going to I'm going to take a, a different different angle with how I, I deal with some of those, and we'll talk about some specific case study type things to get our minds going. But I'm going to leave it here for us. Is yesterday what was really encouraging for me, and we had these kids show up from from all over the place that came and participated. What I saw from them is that they were willing to put aside whatever else they were going to do on that Saturday to try to pursue this rock-solid foundation of, and be, um, learn to be someone who is wise in the eyes of God. And that's a great example for all of us. And if we approach life day in, day out with yeah, God's back there on the back burner somewhere and I'm just going to do my thing and, and whatever seems to feel good at the moment, whatever feels right at the moment, that's what I'm going to pursue. And when God and I disagree, I'm going to do my thing. Then what we're going to find is there's always heartache that is, is right ahead of us. But what I found in the promises of God that we see here is that when I make that commitment to say, I choose wisdom more than silver or gold. I choose the ways of God more than any blessing that I can have in this world. We start to get a taste of what living the abundant life of Jesus is all about. And way back here, long, long ago, several thousand years ago, Solomon and others that wrote in the Proverbs, by the hand of God, wrote, if you want to understand how to live a life full of wisdom, I'm going to show you. And we'll talk about a few of those things here the next weeks. If you'd like to become a Christian today, the elders are waiting in the back. Um, there's still water, there's still faith, repentance, all of that uh, during, during quarantines. And uh, we're excited for, um, for what God has in store for us this week, no matter where, uh, where God may lead all of our paths. Uh, we'll go ahead and go into the Lord's Supper now, and uh, then uh, we will... Uh